Hi, it's Scott Rockfile, back with another podcast review for your ears. I'm going to talk about a bad movie. It is a bad movie. Uh, even the director says it's unfinished. Let's talk about Southland Tales. A movie that was originally released at the Cannes Film Festival in 2006, May of 2006, did not get a theatrical release in the United States until November of 2007. And it still wasn't done. Had a $17 million budget. It was his follow-up to Donnie Darko. Richard Kelly's Southland Tales is still a mess. <laughs> I got another one of those cheap Blu-rays from Hamilton Book. I own the original Southland Tales when it came out, Sony release. It was one of the first Blu-rays ever put out, I think. Um, and I think it had the Cannes edit on it. I'm not sure. I think. Anyway, I don't have that. It's in storage. So a few weeks ago, Hamilton Book had the Arrow restoration with all sorts of new extras on it. Really, really cheap. And I'm like, it's not a good movie, but maybe I'll revisit it. It would make a good podcast. And so here we are. It's been sitting on my shelf for weeks because I knew what I was in for. It's over two hours long and it's a mess. But maybe I remembered it wrong. Maybe it just didn't hit me right. That happens every once in a while. Movie doesn't hit me right. I watch it again later and think that's brilliant. Or sometimes something hits me really well and then I watch it later and it really wasn't good. So this has moments of brilliance. From the acting to the cinematography to the story, there are moments in here that are would make a great film. Dwayne Johnson is the star. This was 2006. This was filmed before that. So he wasn't a giant star at the time. And probably a little out of his range to do this role at the time. There's a few scenes where you can tell the director was telling him to do certain things and he wasn't really comfortable doing it or he wasn't fully in the moment, if you will. Sean William Scott is in this. He's almost unrecognizable at first. He plays kind of two parts of the same personality. He's kind of twins. Um, and I think he does a really good job. This was a, one of the early serious roles for him. Sarah Michelle Geller plays basically a porn star. She does fine. I mean, how hard is it to play a dumb porn star? She plays a little smarter than most people of that ilk. Um, Mandy Moore. She's terrible in this. She's been terrible in everything. Who keeps putting Mandy Moore in movies? Um, sorry to Mandy Moore fans out there, but I don't know that I've ever seen her be good at anything. Justin Timberlake, amazing. He's really good. Um, unrecognizable in some of what they've done to him, um, but he, he he disappears in the role. Miranda Richardson, always good. Wallace Shawn, you know, inconceivable from Princess Bride. He's brought in to basically play that kind of character. Uh, and Bay Ling who most of her role is walking around in very little clothing. Okay. Um, it's supposed to be a road movie. Well, let me go back a little bit. After reading some reviews before I spent, I don't know, the five or six bucks that it was to get this, because Arrow Special Editions are actually quite expensive. I don't know why uh, this was so cheap, and it's probably never going to get a 4K edition or anything like that. So this was my last chance to own a better copy with these extras. I wanted to know what was he thinking. Really, what I love Donnie Darko. When he made the director's cut, I thought he almost ruined the film because he explained too much. Go back to the original. It was an enigma wrapped in a, in a mystery, and I like those kind of movies. He started explaining more in the second version, and hmm, then somebody else made the S. Darko sequel that was awful. Um, but anyway, he was working on this, and now he's got all sorts of ideas of graphic novels and anime and a TV series or more movies or whatever. 
And I'm not saying that the, the world that he created is not fertile for more stories or whatever, but get this one right before anybody else gives him a whole lot of money because this story, well, he says in the extras that he had a screenplay, he had a script, and he had written it right before 9-11, and after 9-11 it changed a little bit. Okay, the world changed a little bit after that. But then in the extras, he talks about the fact that he keeps adding more stuff to it. And not everybody saw his vision, but he just kept adding more. And people seemed to like it when he added more, so he kept adding more. That's exactly what the movie feels like. Like, underneath, there's probably a lean, mean movie under there. But this got plopped into this part, and this got plopped onto this part. And and it, it stretched out, and it became more. And Like I said, there's some really great acting. There's some really great ideas, some great storytelling, and a a whole bunch of other stuff that's just a mess in here. Mixed with the actors who aren't very good, Richard Kelly was not the most accomplished director at the time, so he probably, you know, oh, I wanted this person because of the way they look or whatever. And he brought several people from Donnie Darko into smaller characters. Overall, he was more ambitious than I think he had budget to pull off. What is there shows that he knows what he's doing. He's a big fan of movies. He's an intelligent dude. But the movie, and as he describes it now in modern times, well, this was probably recorded two years ago during the pandemic because all all the extras are basically Zoom conversations with him. But he goes into great detail how disappointing the movie did and how it's still unfinished. He's never finished it. And they're still approaching him about doing more with it. I don't know. Do more with the Donnie Darko universe. I would like to see more of that. Make a make a good, really good sequel to that. But you probably can't. That was probably a lightning stroke. So should you watch this? I mean, if you're a fan of any of those actors I mentioned or Richard Kelly in general, you should probably watch this movie if you've never seen it. It's not a terrible waste of time. It's two hours and 15 minutes or whatever. It was made for $17 million. It grossed about 300000 400000 which is kind of sad. It was only in like 60 theaters when it was released. It basically got a token release. It wasn't done. It doesn't really make, I mean, it make. It has a beginning, a middle, and end that kind of makes sense. The storylines, people go through some story arcs that make sense. But overall, it's just a bit of a mess. It could have trimmed it a little bit and made a coherent story out of it. Maybe remove a couple characters even. I don't know. We can, we can second guess and, and look back on movies and cut them apart all you want. But regardless, to, to sit down and watch it today, it's like, wow, he really went for it. And as much as he went for it with Donnie Darko and nailed it, he went for it here and totally missed the mark. The funny stuff isn't that funny. There's supposed to be a lot of dark humor in it about modern times. It's supposed to mirror our modern society in a lot of ways and things like that. And I guess in an idiocracy kind of way, which is actually featured in the film. Um, Yeah, a few things do. But overall, yeah, you would either have to be a fan of the actors in the film or Richard Kelly as a director to actually want to sit down and watch this. Otherwise, I would not. There are much better things. Rewatched Dungeons and Dragons recently. Go watch that if you haven't seen it. That's a wonderful film. This, a uh, bit of a slog to get through. But it's interesting because I really like watching people like Dwayne Johnson, who now can act in anything. He's, you know, good in the Jumanji movies and, and whatever else he's in. He's fine. You know, he's he's... A, He's become what we take from Harrison Ford or any of the big actors. They're just kind of themselves in movies. They adjusted a little bit. but And I think he's fine. I, I, in movies like Hobbs and Shaw and a few other things he's been in, he's been able to emote and change. And I think that's great. But I like watching him, you know, this is early on and he's trying some things. And he's he's really putting himself out there. This was, a, this was obviously an important role for him to play. And 
watching him and Sarah Michelle Gellar and a few of these other actors get through this weird screenplay and this weird story and this weird future. Um, and some of the character actors who are playing things different than what you've seen them play before. From all of those aspects, it's a very interesting thing. And the extras are fantastic. It goes a deep dive into the making of this movie. From a mo- more modern perspective, there's not very a whole lot of extras that were filmed at the time. There are a few on there. But I found that more interesting. This is be one of those Blu-rays that if, if you like the extras and how movies are made, then I would buy it from that perspective because the Arrow edition has some great extras on how this movie was made. The movie, on the other hand, is the theatrical version, fully restored, looks and sounds great. This 5.1 was good. Um, but it's still a flawed, I wouldn't even call it a flawed masterpiece. It's a flawed, unfinished film that you may or may not enjoy. But it, like I said, if you're into movie making, the extras are fantastic. So there you go. Southland Tales has not aged very well, unfortunately. But there's some germs of ideas and some germs of some good acting and good movie making in this film, if you got the time. Otherwise, stream it for free. There you go. Scott Hamilton, Rockfile. My links are below. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to a podcast about a movie that I'm not recommending. Have a spectacular day. <laughs>